Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we begin a brand new teaching series entitled, Why Explore Bible Prophecy? And then Dr. Kenneth Hill will have a moment of prophecy. Our final conference of 2022 is almost here. The second annual Las Vegas Prophecy Conference, November 19th and 20th at Sunrise Bible Church. Speakers include Pastor Billy Crone, Pastor Tom Hughes, Larry Stamm, Pastor Greg Patton, and Micah Van Hus. Topics include subliminal seduction of the masses, ancient cities and the gods who built them, America, is it over? Christ in the Passover, and real world of spirits. Many more topics are planned as well. So make plans to join us at Sunrise Bible Church in Las Vegas, November 19th and 20th. Registration is open. Visit swrc.com and click on events or simply call 1-800-652-1144 and let us know you're coming to the second annual Las Vegas Prophecy Conference, November 19th and 20th. Yesterday on the program, we announced a brand new ongoing teaching series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy, being taught by Steve Butler. This series will air most Wednesdays, and we hope it will be informative and a real encouragement for you to dig deeper into the scriptures. So let's grab our Bibles and join Steve Butler as we begin to answer the question, Why Explore Bible Prophecy? Let's get into the 13 reasons why we should explore Bible prophecy and how it will benefit us. And that first point is about one-third of the Bible is prophecy. It's prophecy that's uh, already been completed, already been fulfilled, or prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. And there is a lot of Bible prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. So what I'd like you to do, if you have your Bible, and I pray that you do in front of you, is to take your Bible and go into the Old Testament and find the book of Daniel. And if you can find the book of Daniel, you'll find, uh, oh, the big books are like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and then Jeremiah's second book, which is Lamentations, and then you get into Ezekiel. Another. These are all wonderful books. Uh, wonderful books, particularly on prophecy, but we're not going to Daniel for prophecy, even though that's one of the key places that a prophecy student uh, really hangs out in is the book of Daniel, among others. But Daniel is so, so important. If you can find the book of Daniel, put your hand on the first page of the book of Daniel and then put your other hand behind the book of Revelation at the very end of Revelation. So you've got, uh, oh, several hundred pages of scripture between your hands. The visualization that I want to give you here is that is approximately 30% of the Bible. If you refuse or neglect to study prophecy in the Bible, that's how much of God's holy word that you are choosing uh, either through intent or through ignorance you are refusing to study. That's how much of the Bible is prophecy. And that's, therefore, one of the major reasons why it's so important. It's important simply because it's God's Word. But it's even more important to a Christian because it gives us the hope that we have, that glorious hope 
the returning of Jesus Christ for the church, and then the future that we have, the future that the earth has with the Gentiles and the Jews that'll be on the earth. And I don't want to get into all that now and complicate it, but there's so many wonderful things that are going to happen that we just don't hear about. We just don't hear about, even in a lot of our churches, we don't hear about it. And that is the focus of what we want to study, to pray about, to uh, read, and to um, fill our lives with, because it gives us the great hope. And you know, the word hope that we see in the English in the New Testament is actually a Greek word that means confident expectation. So it's not a hope that, hey, it might happen. I really wish it would. I'd get so-and-so for Christmas, for instance. It's not that kind of hope. It is a confident expectation, and it is verified and fortified in the Word of God. We simply have to study it. So if you would, let's find our first scripture here um, about prophecy and point number one that we need to establish and let's go to the book of 2 Peter. So we're in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we want to get towards the end of the New Testament. You'll find Hebrews is a fairly big book. So if you can find Hebrews and then the five chapters of James right after that, James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was the head of the Jerusalem church after he came to faith. You know, he originally thought his uh, brother, half-brother Jesus was kind of crazy. And then he came to faith and became the head of the believer's church in Jerusalem to show you the power of God in a Christian's life when they become a new creation. So 2 Peter chapter 2, second, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we want to look at verses 19 to 21. And to, to set this point up, what is causing Peter to share this um, in the scripture, in one of the two books, First and Second Peter that he wrote, to share with the world is relating back to his experience that he and James and John had on the Mount of Transfiguration. You find that in Matthew 17 and then the other Gospels. But um, just for reference, Matthew 17. And this is where Jesus took them to show them what it was going to look like when he came in his glory. When he, when he comes yet future in his glory. And it says that the, <clears throat> the image of Jesus as a man was transfigured into this glorious image of the, the resurrected, um, glorified Christ. And standing on either side of him was Moses from the Old Testament and Elijah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And they were standing there with him in their glorified bodies and uh, just a, mag a majestic looking image. And then a voice came booming, actually. I believe it was booming out of heaven that uh, said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You know, listen to him. And we certainly won't get into it now because we'll get into depth in other series, other programs and other series about all of this because this is such wonderful prophecy. This is actually a uh, fulfillment. The statement of God was a fulfillment from 1,400 years before Jesus was ever um, ministering on the earth from Moses, where he was predicting that um, Jesus would be the coming Messiah, a prophet like him, like Moses, and that God would be uh, well pleased with him, listen to him. So he's almost quoting 
<laughs> a 1,400-year-old um, prophecy there. So Peter is relating this now in his own book in 2 Peter chapter 1 when he says in verse 19 through 21, so we, talking about us as the church, we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So all the prophecies Peter is saying are now made more real to him, a realization as a Christian, because he was there, he actually experienced the Mount of Transfiguration for all of us. Because remember, we don't have to see things. We don't have to touch things like the apostles did. We don't have to see Jesus in his resurrected body. We don't have to touch the holes in his hands and his feet and put our hand in his side like Thomas had to do before he would believe. They did that as our, if you will, representatives so that we simply have to have faith that Jesus is real and the apostles prove that for themselves. And Peter has God's confirmation of who Jesus Christ is made real to him when he heard the voice of God say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He's now he's done that for us so that we can have faith and we can believe in what Peter has seen and heard with his own eyes and his own ears. And he's simply confirming that for us here. So prophecy is a real fact. It's legitimate, and it has been proven time and time again to be very, very accurate. So next, I want to go to another scripture in Isaiah, which is one of the most powerful passages of scripture about prophecy I think there is in the entire Bible. And of course, Isaiah was one of the great Old Testament prophets that wrote around 650 years before Jesus was born. Um, leading, he wrote leading up to the Babylonian captivity of Israel that uh, was finished um, with the destruction in 586 B.C. and went for 70 years when they were taken to Babylon. So let's go uh, in the Old Testament. If you can find the, the long book of Psalms, 150 Psalms, then you'll find Proverbs as you work your way to the right in your Bible. And the next big book you come to is Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 46, Isaiah chapter 46. And I want you to pay particular attention to this because this is so powerful as it relates to God wanting us to know his plans. Isaiah chapter 46, and I'm going to be reading verses 9 through 13. Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done. 
saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Verse 11, calling a prey, a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-minded, who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. And I will grant salvation in Zion, and my glory for Israel. So he's talking uh, in the shorter term about Israel, a hundred, approximately a hundred years into the future. But the main point I wanted to get across here was what he was saying in verses, um, well, primarily in verse 10 and then at the end of verse 11. I tell you the end of all things. Well, when's the end of all things? Well, that's eternity, as we'll find out uh, in this study. If you uh, will take the time to, to work your way through these scriptures with us over the coming uh, programs and series, you will clearly see that he's telling us his plans all the way out to the beginning of eternity, which you shouldn't be surprised to find is in Revelation chapter 22, the last book of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. He tells us everything that he wants us to know about the details. And he says in the end of verse 10, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. And at the end of verse 11, I have planned it. Surely I will do it. What confidence that brings us uh, to the study of his word and to an understanding of how loving God is that he would tell us all of his plans that he wants us to know. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. Be sure and join us next Wednesday for the next installment of our new teaching series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy. Let me recommend three excellent resources that will have you ready for the new series. The books, Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation?, which includes chapters by Noah Hutchings, Larry Spargimino, Doug Stoffer, Kenneth Hill, and the teacher of our new series, Steve Butler. The book, What's Next?, and the book, Prayers of the Ancients. All three of these excellent books are available when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order this fine collection of books online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Friends, when you study Bible prophecy, what's the first book in the Bible you think of? That's right, Revelation. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill is here with an introduction to Revelation in today's Moment of Prophecy. It is so much fun to be involved in the work of our Lord. There's so many things going on. There's so much happening, so much yet to do, and God is blessing bountifully. I'm here with a a word about prophecy as we take a look at the starting of the book of Revelation, trying to get our heads in the right direction, turned properly. Well, 
We can't relegate all the prophetic signs of coming judgments mentioned in the Old Testament in Matthew 24 and other scriptures to the second coming of Jesus Christ or to the seven-year tribulation or to the uh, end run after the seven years of tribulation. It can't be an eschatology cop-out. That's why we have to sort of have a little time for study in Revelation. Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ, and it is important for us to have some understanding. For example, in the book of Revelation, earthquakes are seen as increasing. Wars and rumors of wars are increasing as well. AIDS and other pandemics are over. The days of Noah are here again. The days of Lot are here again. The Roman Empire is here again. Man now has power to destroy the earth. And that's in Revelation. We also read in the Bible about the keys that will unlock the hidden mysteries of God. There's the key of the house of David, the bottomless pit, the knowledge key, the key of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and the keys of death and hell. Daniel has been a sealed book until now because many of the prophetic truths of that book had historical fulfillment. and Likewise, many of the truths of Revelation have been locked in symbolic or allegorical language as well. And only in this time are we able to use the keys to open both Daniel and Revelation with a literal fulfillment. And so to open a lock, you've got to have the right key. To understand the book of Revelation, you've got to have the proper key for it as well. And there are three keys that Noah Hutchings used to teach about to open truths concerning what the book of Revelation is about and why Christians should be joyful in studying the book instead of being in some sort of angst. We're informed that in the future, tribulation millions are going to die. For example, let's take Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 as something just to think about. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. This is the revelation that's given about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And this is not Pentecost. It wasn't at the time of Pentecost back in the New Testament beginning era. This wasn't when the 120 of the disciples met after the ascension of Jesus. Nor is it when an unsaved person is born again by faith in him. We're told in the first chapter of Acts that Jesus left from Mount Olivet or the Mount of Olives, and he'll return to that same mount. And when this happens, Zechariah has foretold that the Mount of Olives will split in the middle. So far, the Mount of Olives has not split in the middle because the literal return of Jesus the Christ is still future. And in Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, 
and the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldst give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. That's Revelation chapter 11, verse 18. If Jesus is not coming back to bring his and his kingdom from heaven, then all the promises made to Israel and the prophets of the Old Testament, as well as the promise of thrones in the millennium to the apostles, would never be fulfilled. This would make God a liar, and that is unthinkable. Just as importantly as our study of Revelation, that we understand that if there were no tribulation period, which will be terminated with the second coming of Jesus, then man himself would destroy the earth. For the first time in the 6,000 years of history of mankind, man has within his power the ability to destroy the earth. This fact in itself proves that the second coming of Jesus Christ is near, even at the doors, as the scriptures say. The true story of the Revelation is that Jesus Christ is not coming back to destroy the earth, but to save the earth from destruction. He is today that blessed hope, referenced in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, because without the return of Jesus Christ, this world today would have no hope. If the Christian will keep the basic truth in mind while studying the book of Revelation, then we both will be blessed as promised in verse 3 of the first chapter. So we must keep in mind the blessed hope, the soon appearing, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the church. There are a number of prophecies in Revelation. Six is the number of man, Revelation 13, 18. Man was created on the sixth day of creation, Genesis 1, 26. Revelation is the 66th and last book of the Bible. Revelation is God's message concerning the end of man's day and the beginning of the Lord's day. Irenaeus, around 80, 180 or so, and Cyprian, another early church theologian, along with more of them, had proposed that God had assigned man 6,000 years to prove himself worthy of his own free will existence, and then God has determined to send Jesus back at the beginning of 7,000 years or the seventh day. One day is with the Lord as a thousand years. We find that in Second Peter chapter 3. And Jesus will be sent back to save the world from man's rebellion. So the theme of Revelation is presented in verse 7 of the first chapter as this, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. As noted previously, the book of Revelation is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The human recorder, the author, the reason for the book, are revealed in the first three verses. So read with me there in Revelation chapter 1, 
verses 1, 2, and 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto the servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. That's Revelation chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Jesus Christ is the author of this book. The angel was the messenger, and the apostle John is the recorder. Preterist theologians, those who contend all Bible prophecy was fulfilled by A.D. 70, say that another John wrote the book or that its authorship is spurious. This supposed change is to depreciate the divine inspiration of the entire book. They point to the difference in language of grace and love in John's four books in the Bible to the harsh judgmental language of Revelation. The difference, of course, is that the Revelation is not about the dispensation of grace and the church age, but rather about the day of the Lord, which follows the translation of all Christians found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Preterists also contend that the book was written in time of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple rather than at the end of the church age. They also claim that John could not have lived until A.D. 96, Yet Jesus indicated that John would live longer than any other of the apostles there, and that was mentioned in John chapter 21, verse 22. Justin Martyr, who lived to uh, A.D. 165, was executed by Rome at the age of 65. Origen lived to 70 years of age, and Polycarp lived to 87 years of age. Apostle John was probably 85 when he received the revelation in A.D. 96. It is obvious that what we do today, we make the claim by some that the revelation is so allegorical that no one can understand it. But consider that the early church leaders had much to say about the book of Revelation. Perhaps in a future broadcast, we'll take a look at that. God bless you, my friend. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Don't forget to order today's featured resource. It's the collection of three books on prayer and prophecy. The books, Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation?, What's Next?, and Prayers of the Ancients. All three of these excellent books are available when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order this collection online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis will be here to reveal China's plan to eliminate America and impose a communist world order. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by downloading our SWRC mobile app or simply subscribe to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. 
Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.